listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN yeah. 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Andy's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. He's the managing editor of Salt City Hoops, the True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz at ESPN. Yeah. I'm Ben Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Find Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. That's where you can tweet at us. If you have questions, you want to talk some jazz basketball, you want to talk some NBA basketball, We'd love to hear from you. That's what we're going to be doing for the next two hours. You can also give us a call, 877-353-0700. We are within 30 days of the trade deadline. So you have trades you want to throw at us, we'll take them. Yeah. I mean, we've, we're like three weeks away. We've had a crazy last, what, 48 hours in the NBA with all the Rockets and Clippers stuff. Yeah. We've got, uh, obviously, kind of the, the state of the Utah Jazz to talk about and fans booing their team and or maybe Rodney Hood at home last night. Uh, in the first half, no less. You know, I, I think there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different directions we can go on the show today, and and so I'm excited to do so with you, Ben. Uh, the Jazz are not playing well. They've lost 15 of 19. We're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about Rodney Hood, like you mentioned, uh, and then we'll get into some trade deadline stuff and which direction the Jazz want to go. I wrote about it today uh, at KSL.com as well, where I think the Jazz are probably going to be quite a bit more aggressive in trades. And what I mean is they're just going to simply make trades, and generally they don't. Uh, yeah. I know they traded for Shelvin Mack, but I think they're going to be more <laughs> aggressive in making trades. And that doesn't mean they're going to be aggressive trying to improve the team this year, but they're going to be uh, aggressive trying to improve the team long term. Right. If anything, I think this this trade deadline for the Jazz is going to be about turning what are short-term assets into long-term assets. So you've got a lot of short-term assets that expire this summer um, or expire next summer. And that's, you know, obviously Derek Favors, Rodney Hood, Dante Exum, Tabo Cephalosha, Joe Johnson— Jonas Jurebko, Ekpe Udo, I mean, you can go up and down this list, and it's it's quite lengthy. And finding a way to turn those kind of shorter-term deals into something that you can use to help the team, you know, in really kind of the final year of Donovan Mitchell's rookie deal, where you have kind of the, the perfect mix of you've got star-level production on a cheap contract, and you've got these uh, veterans ready to contribute who are in their primes, and, and that's really kind of the Jazz's contention window. Call us 877-353-0700, 877-353-0700, or tweet at us, as I mentioned, at Andy B. Larson or at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. We've actually already got some tweets rolling in here. Do you want to start with them? Why not? Sure. All right. Uh, so Wuhao Phelps asks, does Vivint have secret tunnels? Uh, that was a question posed by the Utah Jazz towards the Vivint <laughs> Smart Home Arena yeah. last night after... The Houston Rockets and Los Angeles Clippers almost got into a backroom brawl because in the Los Angeles Clippers locker room, apparently somehow they're magically linked between the two locker rooms with kind of some back tunnels, which is a little bit bizarre. I actually kind of believe, I, I think I know what the secret tunnel is because it's kind of behind like a, the, the visitor and home locker rooms are pretty close in Staples. Okay. And which is in, kind right of unusual. Between, yeah. And right in between is the press conference room, or at least this is the way it was set up during the playoffs. And so you'd have the coaches from both sides kind of come in from behind this press conference room and uh, and you know talk to the fans or talk to sure. talk to the media, whatever it is. So I I think it's a pretty short quote unquote tunnel. That's yep. I, I don't know how much of a, a tunnel it really is. It's just like a it's just a hallway like anything else. Vivint doesn't. I mean, they don't have a lot a link between locker rooms like that. Certainly. Right. But the whole thing is a tunnel. But, just yeah, a big loop of a tunnel. Yeah. I, I would tell most people, and, you, I mean, you've been in the, the Staples Center tunnels. I've never been down there. 
Uh, all that stuff is way less exciting than you would think it would be. Mm-hmm. But it's exactly what you would think it would be. It's very industrial for yeah. the most part. It's just kind of cement and bare walls, and then there's rooms all over left and the right that are media or dining or social media or whatever. It's like exactly – it, and honestly, it's the one part of the building that didn't change a lot because of the renovation. I mean right. the, the stuff inside the rooms changed. You know, The locker room looks very different. But in terms of that main hallway tunnel, right as you go off the court, it's – yeah, it's very industrial. It's just – you know, cement block, and that's it's it's very sparse. They're not designed for Andy Dufresne to be you know sneaked in and out, or you know <laughs> right. you're not the the legend of the the Lakers of the '80s bringing women into the locker room after. It's not like this back hallway to sneak people in. It's just it has a very normal purpose, has a very practical purpose. Like maybe the coach is trying to get from where his locker room is to a media room without having to go through the the main entrance or main exit right. to have to deal with the entire media. And the players just said, oh, well, that's a good way to go talk to someone else. Or if we have buddies, we can talk to each other that way from the opposing team, which happens all the time. But in this sense, they said, hey, we want to go confront Austin Rivers. Wuha also asks, have you ever thrown a punch in pickup? No, I've, no. I've never. No, no. I had a clown try and get in a fight with me the other day because he stepped out of bounds. And I told him he stepped out of bounds. Was this in blogger said, ball? No. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a story you'll have to tell me later. Um, He's kind of in a fight like two of the last three times we've been. And I just <laughs> like, cool. My my kids don't want me to fight. I don't. I've never been right. in a fight in my life. Like, come on. I get really angry when I play sports, but not like physically. No. I like just anyway. I yell at people. I'm. I I would pick up a lot of technicals, huh. but not for. I'm like Lonzo Ball. That fight picks up when I walk to the bench. Okay. I turn my back and walk away. That's my care factor. I'm a Lonzo Ball type of guy. Fair. And then, which of you is most likely to have the front door slammed in their face while all the action was happening out back, like Clint Capella last night? Which of us? Yes. Is most likely. Oh, I'm probably a better distraction. I I would per, I would volunteer to be the distraction because yeah. I don't want to be a part. Yeah, of... I don't want to get I don't want to get punched. Yeah, I don't exactly. want to get hit. Neither Andy or I want to get hit. That's why we <laughs> blog because <laughs> we why... have such beautiful faces. Yeah, not, that's not no, the that's case. not what it is. Uh, tweet at us at Andy B Larson at Ben's Hoops again. That was uh, in reference to the Clippers and the Houston Rockets getting in a fight last night. Uh, in the Clippers win, right? The Clippers yes. won that game. Uh, very surprising there, Houston. Uh, Got to figure themselves out without James Harden here for a little bit. And there was actually another fight tonight. Aaron Aflalo almost killed Bielitsa. Well, and then Bielitsa put him in a headlock. So, you know, like actually pretty offense, uh, effective defensive techniques from Bielitsa, um, which might be the first time that phrase has been used to describe Bielitsa's game. But, no, that's that's probably harsh. Um, we we actually have uh, like a ton of questions. ton of questions. There's so much interest in, interest to, in the NBA right now. Let's get to them. Riley O'Brien, for each of you, what is the most appealing thing about playing for the Utah Jazz at this point in time for a prospective player? What do you sell them on if you're the Jazz's front office trying to get a prospective player here? Uh, Extreme stability within the organization Mm -hmm. uh, and the ability to play next to Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Uh, Rudy Gobert should make your life so much easier as a basketball player because he does so much defensively that allows you to— be a mediocre defender and not, you know, get the blame of being a mediocre defender over and over and over all the time. Uh, that that you can take not half the game off, but you can probably take a quarter of the game off because you've got Rudy Gobert behind you doing a lot of the dirty work, and you can come in and be a third or a fourth guy. And then I think playing for Quinn Snyder is a, yeah, actually I, I a really good thing. Going to mention that too, and you know that was kind of the part that I think Nikola Mirotic mentioned when uh, was you know in, in terms of his interest in the Jazz was kind of playing for that Quinn Snyder European system, which appeals. I think that appeals to some guys and doesn't appeal to other guys. You know, I think for some kinds of players, that system doesn't fit them. I mean, look at Ricky Rubio. Clearly, that hasn't worked out. 
And I think it is a little bit because of that that system and player fit just never was destined to to work. Uh, and you've been to way more NBA games than I have, uh, especially around the league. But you watch games like Atlanta or Detroit, and there's like twelve thousand people. Yeah. What's the worst jazz game you've seen? Like sixteen thousand people. Right. And three thousand so, empty seats, and it feels like a lot when you're there. The three thousand are gone, mm-hmm. and that's four thousand more than a lot of NBA teams get, even when they're okay, even when they're good teams. Yeah, no, I completely agree, and, and the renovation only helps with that by making it a smaller capacity, and so you feel like you know there's a larger percentage of of fans in the arena. Uh, that next, would be my sell. I mean, yeah, but but uh, it's not New York City. No, it's not. It's not Los Angeles. It's not Houston. It's not Dallas. It's and not it's, some of these amazing cities in Miami that exist. And it's not like a surefire winning situation, right? Nope. Like you have to sell. I, I think you're selling a player on being able to play next to Donovan Mitchell and and a, a specific role. And some guys like that, you know, like when the Jazz tried to sign Joe Johnson or Trevor yeah. Booker, they're like, "Look, this is what you're you're going to be fighting for minutes. You're going to be playing a, kind of a stretch role off the bench to Joe Johnson or you know with Trevor Booker. Really, you're going to be the energy guy." And that's what we want you to do. We have this this very defined role imagined for you, and you know they they like that and they'll fill that. And you know I I think that's that's kind of how how you have to sell it. Now you're not getting Paul George that way, but I don't think anyone realistically thinks that the Jazz are getting Paul George or you know Kevin Durant, LeBron James, any a, a player of that caliber. Uh, the nice thing actually you could do the Jazz could sell somebody on now though is they could be a max player playing alongside two other max players who aren't making the full super max in the NBA right now. Rudy Gobert makes $25 million a year, which is not the $30 million that you can get. Donovan Mitchell's not going to get that for another five years. And, you know, maybe he makes an all-NBA first team or something and can get to that kind of super max level, the the uh, Derrick Rose but number. It's still not to four, till right. four years from now, right? Right, like, so, so you can take advantage of that money and not necessarily have to be that guy. Yeah, And there's some advantage in that. Some guys don't want to... Some guys want the money and don't want don't want to be the star. And so that's kind of one of the things Gordon you should Hayward. think about. Sure. And, and that's one of the things you should think about when we talk about trades this trade deadline is, like, you can go out and get a guy like Evan Fournier, right? $17 million for the next three years. But maybe that doesn't let you sign a guy in any of the next three summers because you don't have that cap space because you're paying Rudy 25, you're paying... You know, Joe Ingles 13 and you're paying Evan Fournier 17. Yeah. You don't have a ton of cap right. space to give a, a 25, 30, 35 million dollar contract to. Right. right. Next uh, question. Ryan Johnson asks, what kind of players can we look at with getting the injury waiver we just filed for Tabo? Uh, so the, the injury, if I'm ex- understanding the exception rules correctly and, and this is kind of off the cuff, but I, my understanding is that it's for half of that player's salary. Um, okay. So you're looking at like a $3 million player, and depending on the kind of injury waiver that was uh, offered, and I'm not sure which the Jazz applied for, it's either a cap exception or a roster exception um, that allows you to sign a 16th player. Okay. Either way, you're dealing with the kind of you're dealing with free agents or you're dealing with the kind of team uh, players that teams would trade for a a you know, one to two to three million dollar kind of player. And, you know, so you're talking about not a realistically not a rotation level player. Because if a team's willing to give him up and he's only making a million or two dollars, he's not going to be traded to you for nothing. Uh, I'm not totally sure on the uh, what what types of players you're allowed to sign, but it should be pretty much anyone who's a free agent, right? Sure. So there's actually some advantage there where now as you come to the trade deadline, some team wants to trade. I mean, this is a bad example because he's just not an NBA player anymore. Mike Dunleavy, because right. Mike Dunleavy's not 
you know, ready to help the Cleveland Cavaliers or Atlanta, wherever he's playing right now, uh, and, and they want to get rid of him. So they just cut him. And then the Jazz say, hey, you know what? We could use Mike Dunleavy for three months. Now, again, that's a terrible example because Mike Dunleavy is a horrible player. Right. But a guy gets bought out because the team doesn't – and he's an expiring free agent, uh, and, and the team doesn't want to pay him and has no use for him. And the Jazz say, hey, we'll bring you in for three months and think you could play. Maybe there's a guy like that out there. And the thing is, like, do the Jazz want that veteran presence right now to take minutes from their exactly. young players? Like, right. Probably so the, not. This is actually probably more of a glorified two-way contract, I think, for the Jazz going forward. You get a young guy who you're trying to see if he can still stick around in the league. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking like a G League kind of talent, a two-way right. kind of talent, and you kind of see see what you have. And James you know, Young? You know, a player like that right. who – and again, I don't think James Young's an NBA player because we've seen that over and over. <laughs> right. But – you know, that's the type of guy who becomes available and you say, well, you were a former lottery pick. Let's see if you can play with Quinn Snyder. And yeah. if you're good I mean, for a couple of months, we'll come bring you in. Heck, maybe you give Nas Long another shot. You know, like whatever right. it, it looks like, it's we're not talking about a, a NBA-level difference maker. Yep. Uh, next question? Tweet at us. At Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops. This is the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. <laughs> we're doing this until 9 o'clock. You can also give us a call, 877-353-0700. We come in with a show plan. But if you have questions, we want to an- you, you, you want right, to answer. This show is about you guys. We want to answer them. Next question. All right, next question from Jimbo Slice at Jimbo Redding. I know Jimbo. I don't know him, but I like he's the best. He's my favorite Utah Jazz follow. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I've met Jimbo in person, oh, and really? he is he's not the man. I don't know. Him don't in stop. person is very different. Than, I don't want to know. Don't right, don't kill my heroes. him in person is exactly <laughs> what you want him to be. Oh, good. But, yeah, good. That's what I was hoping. Uh, for. Is Ricky Rubio the Jazz starting point guard opening next opening night next season? No. I don't think so. He might be on the Jazz roster. Yeah. But I don't think he's your starting point guard. No. Because, you know, honestly, that, that would be a failure by the Jazz's front office to let this happen again. Right? Because it has been a, a – catastrophe is maybe strong, but, like, Ricky Rubio has played as bad as as any point guard in the league has. And, and we're at the point where, you know, you can't say it's it's just him learning the system. It's not right. him getting – used to whatever his new teammates are it's that he's playing poorly and it's it's not going to work and the scary thing is that it, it's going to get worse when rudy gobert comes back right it should be worse in when you think it would be better everything we've seen says it's going to be worse at least as long as Derek favors is on this roster yeah so uh it's yeah it's probably just going to get worse and at some point the jazz are going to bench him i don't know if it makes sense to bench him before the end of the year because you're going to try and trade him again at the offseason if you don't trade him before the deadline right and if that's the case then just say that he started 75 games for you instead of saying, yeah, we benched him the second half of the season and, and kill whatever <laughs> trade value he might yeah, have. Yeah, and, like, I, I don't know that he has any trade value right now because, right. again, you know, he's Ricky Rubio but without the assists right now, which leaves you with not a not an NBA player, you know? Right. Uh, it, I think he's trying on the defensive end, and but it's he's pretty inconsistent there too. So, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine unless, like, we see a, a crazy Ricky Rubio upturn in the, in the second half of the season that – He'll be the starting point guard opening night. Now, a follow-up to that on Ben to you, Ben, is Donovan Mitchell the Jazz's starting point guard opening night next year? Huh. I think the Jazz are going to go with a kind of multi-combo guard backcourt. Okay. Be- and, and that's a cop-out, but it's also very much the modern NBA. Yeah. A lot of teams start two guys that we would have called point guards five years ago. Sure. A lot of teams don't start any point guards. Guys that we, you know, Kyrie Irving, one of his knocks when he was coming to the NBA was questions of, is he a real point guard? He's kind of a scorer. And we only saw him eight games at Duke or whatever. Russell but, Westbrook. Right. Is he a point guard? It's like, okay, yeah, he's a, right. Steph Curry. Can he make the transition to point guard? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's one of the three best who's ever played. <laughs> so whatever that means to you now, he's the smallest guy on the floor and he handles the ball a lot. Sure. 
the Jazz okay. will have another guy like that. So yeah, if you put him next to, I mean, at best case, let's say Dante, you know, plays really well in the month or two that he comes back this yep. season. If you start that backcourt, do you consider Dante the point guard, or do you think Donovan's the point guard, or you just don't care? I wrote about it today at KSL.com. I said you just put them in the backcourt together, and they're going to take turns bringing the ball up the floor. Yeah. And then Joe Ingles will too, right? And Rodney Hood, if he's on the team, will too. They always do. You know, yeah, that's how the Jazz play. Right. And and honestly, you don't want to care so much about who has the ball as much as getting it into the yeah. into the offense quickly and seeing right. if you can uh, you know figure out something to attack in semi-transition or whatever. Uh, Nick Whiting asks, random thought here, but I think Dario Saric would be an intriguing fit in a Jazz uniform of the Orlando Magic. There's a lot of talk about Orlando Magic guys. We talked about Wait, Evan Dario Saric? Uh, oh, sorry, from, Phil, Philly. My bad. Philly. I was thinking okay. of... Uh, I, I was thinking of Aaron Booch. Gordon or Booch oh okay. Or, uh, I don't even. Wait, that Dario trade Sarge. was actually almost made. Dario Sarge was almost traded for Aaron Gordon. <laughs> Maybe At least that a... was talked about by the Orlando Magic. There was that whiteboard. Remember they had right. of the uh, stretch four prospects. Right. Anyway, my bad. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Dario Sarge of the Philadelphia 76ers would be an intriguing fit in a Jazz uniform. I don't think it's even possible, but he's a young stretch four who would fit well in a Jazz system and be a good age for the future. You know, I, I think. I, I don't think this was real talk, but I think there was talk between the two fan bases about a Rodney Hood for Dario Saric trade. Interesting. The idea being that you know maybe the Sixers need a wing more than they need uh, Dario Saric in, in a kind of that power forward spot, whereas the Jazz kind of are the other way around. And you know, let me say something about Dario Saric. He's not just a stretch four. He's kind of a point forward. Yeah. Which is who he was when he was in Europe and kind of why he was so appealing when he was here. He was, Remember, he was in that same Dante Exum draft. Right. He's been in the the NBA conversation for a really long time, but the idea was, hey, he's a guy who can both handle the ball and then be a big man for you. Well, they have the player who's, what, the third best at that in the league right now behind LeBron and behind Kevin Durant, and that's Ben Simmons and might be the rookie of the year this year, and you probably don't need to duplicate that. I understand that. Uh, I don't know if they do it for Rodney Hood, though. I like Dario Sarge. Yeah, I, I mean, I do too. Um, I, and honestly, they in terms of kind of what they – what they give you, it basically, he's got one more year on his deal than, than Rodney Hood, right? So, ultimately, I think Saric has more trade value yep. than Rodney Hood. Uh, no question. And so, yeah. you, you know, you you probably can't make that swap, but I think it's something that you... I think Saric is gettable. Um, I don't know if the Jazz have the package of assets that would be interesting to the Sixers. Right. I'm with you. Right, like, it's it's Rodney Hood, and then do you give up the first-round pick? Probably not. Right. Not this year. Then, you know, what... The, Right. To give up long term protected. It's it's just hard to do. Uh, man, we're getting a lot of questions. We love this. this Keep asking questions. Yeah, we're we're happy to answer them. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, uh, from Ryan Johnson asking with Donovan's comments on the booing and hoods, uh, we clearly see that booing does no one any good. It's a bad look for the fans and the the free agencies. Or sorry, the free agents notice. Uh, Andy, I don't think everyone heard Rodney Hood's comments. Okay, and this was from a question you asked yesterday in the locker room. Yeah, uh, let's play Rodney let's... Hood's comments first because there's some clear frustration. Go ahead. I feed off of you know what I mean. It's, it is what it is. I just gotta be who I am. You know, it's it's you know it is what it is. You know, things are always coming light. You know, I've been through tough times before. I had people you know give up on me before, so this is nothing new. And I keep moving forward, you know what I mean? This is my fourth year. <clears throat> you know, this is the best season I've had since I've been here, you know. So, you know, it is what it is. If people, you know, boo or, you know, they say about me, you know, I just keep going. You know, that's all I can do, you know what I mean? I keep my head up. I'm going to keep shooting shooting the ball, you know what I mean? It is what it is. I just got to keep fighting and not lose confidence because everybody else does. Uh, let me say this, because I, I read uh, the triple team that you released after every game. 
at ksl.com. I read it every time. I, it's the last thing I read usually before I go to bed. Thank you. Uh, so thanks for going to bed with me, Andy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I Reading those out of context, reading the comments out of context versus actually hearing – or not out of context, but reading it versus hearing it. I'm actually more encouraged by hearing what he said versus reading what I said. Hmm, what do you, it what felt do you... much colder when I read it. But you could still hear he had some energy. He wasn't down when he said that. He's frustrated, but he sounded motivated there to me. Yeah, uh, which is much better than that. just reading it. It's hard. Like if so, if you're a writer, how do you how do you say that? Yeah. In, in we, when we need like a font. Transcribing. We exactly. need like it's... a color font combination. <laughs> so this it, is the this is the optimistic font. Because I I totally agree with you. He, he was motivated, and it, you know honestly, it was the kind of confidence that you want to see from Rodney Hood. And, and I thought he responded well to the booing last night, right? I mean, he started the game one for seven, but then was five for seven after kind of the maybe the loudest of the boos. So that that's some real confidence and and kind of showing some stick it to you of whatever that is right. of uh, some performances from Rodney. So and then Donovan and Mitchell then, did come out and address the issue. Yeah, saying, "Do you have the comment in front of you?" Uh, I'm gonna pull it up right now. Uh, Go ahead. Donovan Mitchell, uh, sorry, I'm trying to pull it up here. I'm being a little slow. Basically, he said, tough loss tonight, but we will bounce back. Can't believe people were booing Rodney tonight. That's insane to boo a man who works his butt off every day to become a better player, and for people to boo him is insane. He gives us all for us, and we do the same for him. Good night. Good space night. So I'm not saying it was, if he was saying it was a good night or if he's saying ta-ta, good night to, yeah. to everybody out there. Probably not good night, you know. Jazz won because they didn't. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they were they were never in the game list. Correct. Uh, yeah, I uh, I mean, first of all, Donovan is the best, right? Like right. to to back up your teammates like that. That's what you right. want to see. Uh, that's um, that's a vocal leader that the Jazz have not had for a very long time. And he's done it when guys have asked, you know, said Ricky Rubio should be traded. He's backed him up. Yep. Backed up Ronnie Hood. Backed up Tabo Cephalosha. I mean, it, it seems like everyone on the team is a Donovan fan because Donovan is a fan of them. And that's the kind of thing that allows you to take 25 shots a game as a rookie, you know, or lead your team in scoring opportunities by a mile right. as a rookie. Right. Um, so anyway, Ryan asks, what is the best way to help fans realize this isn't helping anyone? Uh, I don't have a problem with fans booing, even at home, it, especially if it's due. Ryan's Rodney got who, a point, though, that it's not helping anyone. Right. But, I mean, just it's it's if you have the right to cheer you have the right to boo sure i mean i, I kind of yeah. think you you know if you have the right to be positive you have the right to be negative now don't get in a guy's face right. you yeah, know don't don't send him something on twitter that's ridiculous you want to boo a guy cuz he was playing horrible Rodney hood was horrible in the first quarter mm -hmm. he was awful should have booed ricky rubio too right he was awful if you're going to boo and i don't boo and i didn't boo when i was a fan before i started working that just wasn't my type of thing but if you're that type of guy or or lady who wants to go to a game and boo i really don't have a problem with that yeah, I like I, I think it's weird when it is your team. Right? Like and it's a weird way to show that displeasure and, and you know, when when you're booing even if you're booing, you know, like Derek Fisher coming back or whatever that looks like, Ennis Cantor, the you know, the Lakers whole roster, whatever that you know, that's fine. Uh, to me, when you're booing your own team, that guy has to have done something Egregious. Egregious. Sure. Yes, agreed. And I don't think Rodney Hood has, you know, Rodney Hood, uh, he said he's had his best season in that quote. You can argue yes or no, although he's, you know, certainly his best season in terms of points and right. in terms of the uh, percentage of the offense that he's taken on his shoulders. I I, I think you, it's really hard to argue that what Rodney Hood has done is egregious. You know, like, if you want to boo Jeff Withy last year during the playoffs because of what you, you what he was sure. reported to have done right. was was bad, then I think that's a really relevant booing. Right. right. If 
you know, if it's a Trey Burke situation and guy is four of 24 or something like that, or he's not trying, he's clearly given up. I don't think Rodney's given up. And I think that quote right. shows that. And, you know, his play after the booze shows that. Uh, uh, to me, it was unfair. Uh, did the booze make him a better basketball player? You know, did he react better? Did he start playing harder? Was he paying no, more so. attention when he was shooting the ball? I mean, those, who knows? Right. right. Yeah, probably probably not. But he did play better after you booed. So if you're the guy who booed, you'd probably say, <laughs> well, see? Worked. He reacted. Yeah. I don't have a problem with someone booing, especially I, when a team's playing poorly. And you know what? I, were people specifically booing Rodney Hood? Maybe. Like you said, they weren't booing Ricky Rubio. I know I mentioned that. They weren't booing other players specifically, but the Jazz were also at that point taking miserable shots. The offense was not clicking at all. And they may have just been booing what the Jazz were looking like. And yeah. they deserved that. The Jazz looked terrible last night. I will say that I I feel like Rodney Hood has been more of a scapegoat than he's deserved this season. And, and I, again, fans, you're, you're, Ben, you're totally right that fans should get to do whatever they want. They've paid the money for the tickets. I, know, I was reason. a season ticket holder. Yeah, right, within sure. reason. I, 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 I've been a season ticket holder for a long time, and, and you know I, I was in those shoes, and so I totally get that like that frustration. Um, but I do think Ryan brings up a good point. Is like you know you have to be you should be smart about how you apply that to the the good or bad of the team. Uh, Jazz are also what ten games under five hundred now, nine games under five hundred. Yeah, and it's and, you know They're like nine you games say, under lost fifteen right games now. out of their last nineteen. I get why fans are frustrated. Yes, and they should be. Uh, yeah, and the best way to to do that is. I mean, the Jazz would rather you boo than not renew your season tickets. You know, <laughs> right? Good. All right. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. This is the Salt City Hoop Show. We're going to keep taking your questions on the other side. Tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops. Uh, we do have a show set up, but if you want to ask questions, we're going to keep answering them. We'll also take your calls, 877-353-0700. More Salt City Hoop Show coming up next on ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. And he's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. So you're just not going to get better coverage anywhere than right here with Andy on the microphone. I'm Ben Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. You can find Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. We are getting a ton of questions on Twitter, and keep them rolling in. You want to talk yeah. about the Jazz? You want to talk about the NBA? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, let's go with Clayson. Clayson Cirilla, I don't know how you pronounce it, but uh, any realistic way the Jazz get the Nets pick from the Cavs? Uh, no. I don't think so. I don't think so. Why uh, would you trade that pick? Right. That's the most valuable available trade uh, asset right now, probably in the NBA. You can make a case for Cleveland to trade that pick, right? That it, the no case question. is you get you make a realistic chance at a championship this year, and if if you know the Cavs win the championship, then LeBron is can't leave, or Le- shouldn't leave. I, I'm not. I don't remember exactly what the protections are on that pick, so you have to forgive it's me. It's unprotected. Uh, the Brooklyn pick is the Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Uh, so so let me look at it this way: the NBA standings right now. So we're looking at the very bottom of the NBA. Magic and the Hawks have the worst record in the NBA. They've only got 12 wins and a 279 win percentage. Uh-huh. Then it's the Kings, so yep. that's three. Grizzlies are four at 333. And then I think the Nets are five. Maybe the Nets are six right Nets now. Nets are seven, six or seven. Okay. So you've got Dallas at five. But they're like uh, the they're, Lakers at six. They're one one hundred one one thousandth of a point away from the Suns. Right. As far as win percentage goes. And right so, now. yeah, and it's it's... Well, here's the thing. Suns aren't trading that pick. They don't need it. No. Lakers... Don't own their own pick. Right. So uh, are the Celtics trading that pick or are the Sixers trading that pick? And the Celtics pick? aren't trading that pick because they're sitting on talent right now. You know, why not add more? Why not go out and try and add Mo Bamba in the offseason if you can do that? Uh, 
Mavericks aren't trading that pick. They need a rebuilding piece because as good as Dennis Smith is, he's not a superstar. And they're not, they're not one player away from being good. No. Uh, Grizzlies are the same way. Grizzlies, in fact, need to start trading players to get more picks. Kings are awful. They need to get more picks. So, uh, nobody's trading those picks. No. Except maybe the Cavs. And, and I've always said this right now in the NBA, draft picks are the gold standard. Draft picks are worth more than they're, they're what they actually pay off for the most part. Right. Uh, other than being able to trade for a Kevin Durant or a LeBron, and those guys don't simply become available in the trade market, draft picks are the single most important thing you have, and this is the highest available draft pick that exists. So it's kind of, by default, the most valuable trade asset in the NBA. The Jazz don't have a top 10 trade asset right now in the league to return, even a combination of trade assets. Right. The only way I could see that, you know, I, I completely agree with that, and I think the only way you could see it happening is if you traded your own Jazz pick for Brooklyn's pick. Sure. In other words, you're bumping up three spots. Because right now the Jazz are 10th, and that Brooklyn pick is 7th. Right. So, right? yeah, if you so give up the 10th pick... You give up the 10th pick and Derek Favors and Rodney Hood right. for the Brooklyn pick. And, and whatever salary they want to send back to you. Right. And I'm still not... you know. And A, yeah, what salaries do you take back? Do you take on Shump and Channing Fry for you know three slots? Like, really? Is right. That- no, right. Right. There's no way to get fair value for the Jazz trying to move up to get to that unless the Jazz are giving up a ton and I don't think there's any way for the the Cavs to get fair value unless the Jazz way overpay. Right. So it just it no. I don't think there's any chance for the Jazz to get that that uh, Nets pick. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and honestly, given everything I've heard, it just seems like that Cavs pick is pretty pretty close to off limits anyway right. um for the rest of the league. Right. Would they trade it for Anthony Davis? Of course they would. You're right. W- would they trade it for yeah, a, a proven all-star? That they, Would they think trade it for even, Paul George? No, no. But if they, yeah, if they can get an All Star that will be there beyond LeBron leaving, they will trade that. They will trade for that that guy. But I don't think that guy's available this year. Right, and it has to be a a sure All Star. You know, you, it's not a Eastern Conference All Star to use a. You know, you're it's not, not Andrew Wiggins, who might be an All Star at some right. point in the future, but isn't currently. Right. Uh. So, so no, I don't think the yeah. Jazz can get that. Pick. Clayton, you know, suggests Hood favors and Joe Johnson for Shump, Fry, Tristan Thompson, and the next Nets pick. The idea is that you're taking on Shump's contract, you're taking on Tristan Thompson's contract, you're taking on Channing Fry's contract. Uh, I I still don't think that gets you the Nets pick unless you're throwing in your own first. Uh, and then it, again, it's a three. Yeah, I don't I don't think people realize how bad the Jazz are. The Jazz are as close to the eighth seed right now as they are to having the worst record in the NBA. And honestly, in terms of a a season to have a mediocre year like the Jazz are having. This is turning out great. I mean, we were we were talking about what the odds are that the Jazz can just tank and get a top five pick, like in December or November when they started out the season relatively right. poorly. And I was just like, you know, there's no way that teams like Atlanta, Orlando, Dallas, uh, Brooklyn are going to end up below the Jazz. Well, right now Brooklyn has one fewer win than the Utah Jazz do. Right, they're at sixteen and twenty eight. Right. We're at seventeen and twenty six. Right. It's it's not different. You know, uh, honestly the Jazz are at a point where they could tank and find themselves in a pretty decent draft spot. Now, I don't know that you're getting down to 12 and 31 like the Atlanta Hawks, but can you get to like 6 through 7, 8, 9 maybe? Right. The Suns should pass the Jazz. The Lakers could very realistically pass the Jazz by the end of the season. Right, and, and and some of it is like how well you play when Rudy Gobert comes back. But you know, if Ricky Rubio and Rudy Gobert continues to not work as a combo, you're not that much better. Hot take. Write this down, JP. <laughs> JP shakes his head. Nets are going to finish <laughs> with a better record than the Jazz. 
because they don't own their own pick. Why not be good? Why not try and win games? You have no value in being bad this year. Spencer Dinwiddie's out there trying to earn a huge contract. Like, go win games, Brooklyn. Absolutely, you should win games. The Jazz should do the exact opposite. The Jazz should try and lose games. And they should trade away all their talent at the trade deadline to lose games outside of Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert. And right now, the Nets have 16 wins. And the Jazz have 18 wins. Or, no, the Jazz have 17 wins. (laughs) They're one game away from each other. Right. It's not even a hot take. It raised No, I think it is a hot take. I mean, I I would still take, I, you know, I I think there's like a 80% chance the Jazz finish above the Nets in, in the standings. Just because, again, Rudy Gobert is coming back. They're coming into the easier part of their schedule. Uh, and it should be, there should be some wins in there somewhere. And, and maybe you just rely on, you know, Donovan Mitchell's talent a little bit because, you know, he's the best player on either team, I guess. Um, I, I, I see what you're saying because you're right. Brooklyn wants to win more, maybe long term than the Jazz do, but it's just, uh, again, for me, it's a, it's a talent perspective. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I think we're overrating the talent on this basketball team. That's fair. I think a lot of these guys are still living off of a reputation they earned when Gordon Hayward was here. That's or George Hill was here. And some of these guys just can't play. But again, like if you if you have a draft of uh, you know, the Jazz and, and the Nets, Donovan and Rudy are your top two picks. No question. And then where does Rodney Hood come in? Probably fourth? Probably. But yeah, you start getting no. motivation towards the, the end of the season and who the Jazz still have sure. on their roster. We'll see we'll see how different they play. Sure. Uh that dueling kid asks A, can Joe Johnson be traded? And return value to the Jazz and uh, it not looking bad for future free agents. So kind of a weirdly worded question. But can the Jazz trade Joe Johnson? Can the Jazz not ruin the likelihood of being able to sign free agents in the future? And get value back. Uh, they can do two of the three things. And in fact, one of them begets the other. You might have to trade Joe Johnson to get him to a team so the Jazz can show the next guy who signs that, hey, you came in and did well for us one year, but if our situation changed the next season— We'll try and find you another good spot to land in. Yeah. Or, so maybe you do try and go trade Joe Johnson to a team that wants to win games late in the year. Yeah, I would. I, I mean, to be honest, I would be shocked if Joe Johnson were on this team on February fifteenth. You know, right? I, I I think if if he is not traded by the trade deadline, which is February eighth, then that's when you start these buyout negotiations and have him look for the next team that he's going to be, be playing on and help. And you know, there are some teams that are interested in having Joe Johnson's mm-hmm. offensive help on their roster. Right. Uh, whether that be you know Minnesota, Oklahoma City, whatever that is, true. Uh, and, and you know I don't know if you're getting value for him or if teams just think they can do a Darren Williams right and kind of wait out this trade market and just sign him when he does become a free agent. If the Jazz can get any value, even if that is a second round pick, I think they would take it right now. Right. The problem is you got to get some sort of salary back right from a team that would be interested in him. And then are you are you taking on a, a long term deal? Um, you know, a Cole Aldrich, for example, to, to take on uh, Joe Johnson, you know, to get rid of Joe Johnson and get something that you can use moving forward. I look at every playoff team in the East right now, and all of them could use Joe Johnson. Sure. Celtics, Raptors, Cavs, Heat, Wizards, Pacers. Maybe the Bucks can't. I, you I know, mean, Pistons. Right. It, it depends on which version of Joe Johnson. Because, you know, this right. version of Joe Johnson where he's not trying on defense, is it's not a plus. Like, you just can't Correct. have him on the floor. But I think you can look at him as what he was last year and say, all right, Joe, we're going to let you rest from February until April. And then we're going to try and bring you back for the playoffs and see if you want to go hit a couple of shots for us. Because he still has the ability. I mean, you saw it last night even. He still makes some passes that not every guy in the NBA can make. Sure. And he still has the strength that not every player in the NBA has. And he still has shot-making ability that not every player in the NBA has. And he's better than your 15th man when he's trying. Yeah. 
So Agreed. why not go get him? Yeah, I mean, are you going to give up a, a long-term asset for him? What are you going to get back maybe? for him? Uh, maybe a player that another team's not interested in, and then you have to pay off a huge salary? Yeah. So right. probably nothing. You're getting, you know, can you get Shump and a second? Do you want Shump and a second? Right, right? exactly. Like, and at that point, it might not be worth it for the Jazz, because the Jazz have a million second-round draft picks ahead of them still that they are owed or that, 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 that are in their possession now that they're going to be able to draft on. Uh, and you probably don't want to take on a salary that's going to tie you up for the rest of the year. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, you know, maybe this is the right time for the Jazz to get a draft pick and take on one year or two years of salary. But it's got to be a it's got to be a better than a second round draft pick in my mind. One more question, and we'll hit a break. Uh, sorry, it's it's just a lot of a lot of mentions, a lot of likes. Uh, if Tabo didn't get injured, this is from Richie Rue on Twitter. If Tabo didn't get injured, would the Jazz have traded him at the deadline? What sort of return would the Jazz potentially have gotten? To me, he was the Jazz's best veteran asset to trade. Better than Joe Johnson, better than Derek Favors. Uh, I said yesterday he was the second or third best trade asset that the Jazz had. Uh, because his contract is so small, it's hard to move a piece for him. What does he make, $3 million this year or something Six, like that? I think. Is he at that high? Okay, so maybe maybe he makes more money than I was uh, expecting in that sense. But... It's hard for the Jazz to feel like they were going to get equal return back for a guy that they control his option. Either it's fully guaranteed next year or it's an option next year, but it's the Jazz option. It's non-guaranteed, yeah. So So there's value in that. And you know what? If you're the Jazz and you think you're going to make the playoffs next year, just keep Tabo around because he's a really good player. Right. Now, if you thought you could get something really good back, great, but I'm not sure you're going to get a great piece back for $5 million, if that makes sense. You, You probably have to take on a guy that makes $10 million a year that has a couple of flaws in a trade that the Jazz are going to be able to make this year at the deadline, which is why I think Favors actually has a ton of value. Because you can go out and trade $12 million of Derek Favors and take back a guy that also makes $12 million that another team says, hey, it's probably too much for the situation we're in right now, but maybe the Jazz who are young and don't have a ton of salary can afford to pay that. Sure, guy. but then Joe Johnson has the same value, right? In that he's making $10.5 million. Except for Derek and- Favors comes in and helps you win games right away. And maybe. probably starts for you and can play 25, 28 minutes a game, even in the playoffs. Right. And so I guess, yeah, how many teams are there out there that have those te- contracts that they want to dump that are good teams? Uh, here's where um, I think Tabo well, had like- huge value. Teaming him with a Derek Favors or a Joe Johnson or something like that, yeah. where he only makes a couple of extra million bucks, but can come in and play fifteen million dollars, can play fifteen minutes, I should say, in the playoffs. I think there's huge value to that, especially knowing you can waive him next year. Yeah, and honestly, I think it it depends. And I haven't looked at Tabo's, you know, kind of salary matches in that way. But like, if you trade Tabo to the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, you know, would be a great fit with Tom Thibodeau and what they do. Maybe you get like a Bielitsa back or something right. like that. Uh, you know, is is that a that's a younger piece and that's a nice piece. It would be a salary match. I but now that Tabo's hurt, you know, you you just can't make those kind of trades. And so yeah, I I think it really does hurt the Jazz. It was a really big loss. Yeah, because with him you're probably competitive, and without him you don't look like you're competitive. And look, the Jazz have lost 15 of 19. Uh, they weren't. Tabo Sifalosha's not the difference there between you making the playoffs, but he probably keeps you a little bit more relevant because he knows how to play, he knows how to win. But because you lost him and, yeah, now you can't trade him, That's it was a huge loss for the Jazz. And it really, really bad. It does feel like he was a big part of the quote-unquote heart and soul of the team, which I don't, you know, I don't know how much of a difference that may, makes on the floor, but when he's not out there, it did seem like the Jazz just played in a different style uh, without a, 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 lot, of, a lot less energy, uh, with less offensive execution focus i think um it was it, tabo added a lot uh he was really quiet at media day 
was really quiet mm-hmm. uh, and was new to the media and was fine. And I kind of just assumed that's who he was. And I, I've listened to inter- interviews with him, and I've been in the locker room. I don't think I'd talked to him since media day. Mm-hmm. But then we stayed really late after the Cavs game to talk to Tabo Cephalosha, and he was joyous. He was happy. He was cheery. He was funny. Yeah. Uh, and it was just a small group of us talking to him because he was by far the last guy in. But I, I got it. I got why Alec Burks looked up to Tabo Cephalosha. He was open and he was honest and he was funny and he was enjoyable to be around. And I realized, oh, there's huge value for that guy in the locker room. Maybe there's value to even just keeping him around the rest of the way. But I also understand that, that when he's not playing, it's hard to be that type of leader. And he saved a life, right? Like right. that was the, that yeah. was Kyle Goon's story. He right. saved a woman's life in the Provo River. Five million dollars. What it's worth. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to take more questions on the other side. We're going to have a short segment, but we'll get a couple more questions in. And we'll keep taking them through the next hour if you want to. At Andy B. Larson. At Ben's Hoops on Twitter. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. This is the Salt City Hoop Show. ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk. ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. A very happy Tuesday to everybody out there. We've got a ton of questions on Twitter, and I get it. Jazz are playing bad. Trade deadline's coming up. It's a really, actually, I think this is an amazingly fun time to be an NBA fan. Yeah. Even if the Jazz are bad, I love this. I, I don't mind bad basketball. I love that you start thinking about the draft. I love that you start thinking about how to reshape your team. That's That's one of the really fun things about the NBA for me. Uh, I agree. So let's get to some of these questions that we can we can answer real quick. Uh, Jordan at the Dark Pig twenty one asks: Anyway, Cleveland trades Kevin Love and their first round pick for Derek Favors, Rodney Hood, and Joe Johnson. The answer is not only no, but hell no. Heck you know, no. heck no. Yeah, it's just the answer is you know you're not getting either one of those pieces, let alone both for that trade package because all of those guys are expiring and therefore have pretty limited value. Look, I, I, I think Derek Favors makes a ton of sense for the Cleveland Cavaliers. If they can't get DeAndre Jordan, go get Derek Favors. Right. But Try and get DeAndre Jordan until, first. Right, exactly. And then the second and third. And then go and get Derek Favors fourth. Yeah. Uh, but the Jazz aren't going to get a whole lot back for him. No. Not from Cleveland. Oh, or, uh, yeah, I don't think really any team because every right. team knows what he's worth in kind of this trade market. So even if you are the one team that wants him badly, right. uh, and like today, you, you saw, why would you give up more uh, than you The have? Atlanta Hawks are trying to trade Dwayne Dedman, who's a good player. He's a yeah. rim protector and can hit a 15-footer. Who does that sound like? That's what Derek Favors does. <laughs> you yeah. know, he's a rim protector. He can hit a 15-footer. And you're going to play him for eight minutes a game, 12 minutes right. a game. Favors, Greg most Monroe, like, very available. Yeah. Favors probably doesn't come in and play 30 minutes a game for a team right now in the playoffs. No. He can, but he's not the reason the Cavs are going to make the finals. The Cavs are going to make the finals because they've got LeBron. Does Derek Favors then come out and change it the, the, the game so much against the, the Warriors that he gives you a chance? I don't think so. So right. why would you give up something crazy back in return? Right. I wouldn't. And the only reason you would is because you want Derek Favors long-term, you know, next year use his bird rights, but then you have to make that decision pretty intentionally. Um, and it's not just all about this year. Giorgio Spanias, our Greek fan, asks, Evan Fournier and Shelvin Mack for Derek Favors, Ricky Rubio and Rodney Hood. Um, first of all, I, I don't think, does that work under the trade rules? It might. No, I don't think it does. So I don't think that deal works salary-wise, first of all. Okay. Um, second of all, you're acquiring Shelvin Mack again, which is right. goofy, but whatever. The Mac is back. I'd make a sign. I don't... I, no. In my no, mind, it's a bad trade. Return of the Mac. Okay. No, it's a bad trade. I think it's a bad trade for the Jazz. For, for the Jazz? Yeah. Okay. 
Shelvin Mack is nothing. Evan Fournier sure. is okay. Agreed. Is he better than Rodney Hood? Yes. I, I think, think so. so. Okay. Interesting. I don't so think that's he's why so you significantly better. And then you're also trading Derek Favors. What was the other piece you're getting from Orlando? Uh, do Rick- you're trading Favors, Rubio, and Hood for Fournier and Mack. No. I don't do it. Because you can get something for Derek Favors, and you can get you can get something for Rodney Hood. Yeah, Rodney Hood's going to get seventeen million dollars this offseason, like you said. Rodney Hood's yeah. going to get paid a lot of money this offseason. So that's and, and I would rather have Evan Fournier, given that Rodney Hood is going to be making that money. And I do think that Fournier's trade value is more than Hood, so you have to give something up. You're dumping Ricky Rubio. I actually think that deal is not crazy. Um, I would I would do it if I were the Jazz. Huh? No, I think the Jazz are giving up two valuable Maybe. trade assets and getting a guy who I think is available otherwise, than Evan Fournier. But very possible, yeah. I, I don't think Favors or Hood are that valuable of trade assets. Smiles tweeted at us. I told him we'd answer his question in this segment. I lied to him, but we're going to answer it coming up <laughs> in the next segment with the rest of your questions. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Very happy Tuesday to you, 802. If you tweet at us at Andy B. Larson, Andy's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. I'm a contributor at KSL.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. We've been getting a ton of questions regarding the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Uh, we'll try and answer your questions if you tweet them in. That's what we did for the entire first hour, and we will continue to do so because you're addressing all the pressing issues for the Utah Jazz for the most part that we were going to talk about anyways. If you tweet at us and we don't answer a question because you just tuned in, I would highly recommend you download this episode as soon as it becomes available online, which is immediately following the show. Almost it'll be uh, up by tonight. Yeah. Uh, and go back because we probably already addressed your question. Yeah. Um, and, and if you know if you did miss it, you can send it in again and we'll we'll ignore it if we have to. But anyway, uh, we, we have a whole list here. And let's get to Trevor's first. Trevor, because I told Trevor we would do this 20 minutes ago and I lied to him. Is there any chance at the trade deadline the Jazz make a trade for a young, restricted, free agent power forward? He looks at Julius Randle, Aaron Gordon, Jabari Parker, or would they try and sign them in the offseason? I think there's huge value to go out and getting a guy who has restricted free agent rights if you're confident enough in them that you're going to give them big money in the offseason to beat a restricted free agent offer. Yes. Meaning you've got to pay better than market value because you think you can get more out of that guy. Yes. I don't have a problem with the Jazz doing it. It's essentially what you're doing with the Nikola Miritich deal that we've talked about with the Chicago Bulls. If you're absolutely confident that that's a guy you should go out and get. Sure. Do I think the Jazz will do it? I I kind of don't think so. Because I actually think all three of those guys probably help you win games. I don't think Aaron Gordon's available. Uh, Julius Randle absolutely is available. Uh, Agreed. But I don't think Julius Randle is the kind of guy that you want to give money to in in restricted free agency. And he's not good enough right now. He doesn't. I, I'm not sold on the idea that he solves your problems next to Rudy Gobert. That's my thing. Is I, I don't think he can play next to Rudy in, in any better way. And actually, than I, I like Julius Randle. I really liked him at Kentucky. I like him now, but he takes specific players around him. Mm-hmm. And the Jazz aren't in a spot where they're trying to get players that they have to build around that player. The Jazz have players right. that you already have to build around. Yeah. So now it's all about finding guys who fit next to Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And honestly, that means. Shooting the the likes of which Julius Randle doesn't really have, uh, and Aaron Gordon's very questionable in that sense as well. Yeah, uh, even though he's shot the ball much better this year, right? And, and he can be a little bit more of a playmaker, but yeah, I, I agreed with that. I, I think with uh, you're right that Aaron Gordon's more difficult to acquire than the other two guys in this list. Jabari Parker might be there too. It, it's so hard to know where the Bucks are on Jabari, quite frankly, because I think they're waiting to see what he does in in actual NBA minutes and. 
I, you know, that's that's fair. Uh, but let me say this, Trevor. I think that's the position the Jazz would probably be most willing to acquire a player is a stretch four, Agreed. is a young four, a and, long-term player. and if you could get somebody who can spread the floor at the four to play alongside Rudy Gobert and you control his free agency rights, that's that's a huge win. I just don't know how available they are and what you have to give up to get them. Agreed. Uh, and, and to me, I think the cost is probably going to be too high. You know, like, so would the Bucks trade Jabari Parker? You know, there's some there's some case there that they have to pay so much money if they keep Jabari Parker that it doesn't work out. But do they then trade for Derek Favors and Rodney Hood? No, because you have the same problem. Right. You don't get to keep those guys without right. paying them big amounts of money. And are the Jazz going to give up their lottery pick this year for Jabari Parker? I probably would not. I probably wouldn't either. Too many injury concerns. And you got to pay him a lot of money. Exactly. Which you can just go pay him the money in the offseason anyways. Yes. And then have the lottery pick also. Yes. So, yeah. So then do you have any sort of a deal that works? And it's only if the Bucks kind of want to dump Parker. Ricky Rubio. <laughs> and the Bucks are uh, <laughs> not interested yeah, in that deal. Wants Ricky Rubio. All right. have three, too many, you know, they have three point guards already. Uh, like you can call us as well. Like I said, you can tweet at us at Andy B Larson at Ben's Hoops. But you can also give us a call eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred. I'm loving this interaction. Yeah, I'm loving the tweets. So keep tweeting at us. We love this. I, I love to hear from you guys. Uh, Andy gets us a lot during jazz chat, but I don't get it because people don't tweet at me, <laughs> uh, and I like having new friends. So <laughs> keep tweeting at us, Andy. More questions. What do you got? Ryan Dangerfield asks, if the Jazz get a top 12 pick in the draft, who would be the best fit with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know that either of us have have started our, our draft evaluations to know that other than like in, in kind of wide swaths. Like, you know, obviously you want a power forward who can shoot. So, you know, is Wendell Carter the guy? You know, he can shoot a little bit. He doesn't really have three-point range. Um do you want a Look, point I'm, guard? I'm like looking a, more positionally. Right. So Trey Young is number one. Now, you go out and you get DeAndre Ayton if you can get him, or Ayton if you can get him. Sure. Because he's probably the best player in the draft. And then you get Luka Doncic if you can get him. Because he'd be because a great fit. He's the, Anywhere. And, and he's probably the next best player in the draft. Yeah. If he's not already the best player he, in the draft. He might be. I was going to argue with you on that. but And yeah. then you go get Marvin Bagley because he's the next best player in the draft. <laughs> you know, the, the, so, so let me be facetious in that sense. And then you go get Trey Young. Right. Because Trey Young's then the next best player in the draft. But, There's a certain tier of player you just don't pass up. So right, uh, Michael Porter. Go get. The, here's the nice thing: so many of these guys fit for the Jazz now. Aiton or Mo Bamba are the worst fits for the Utah Jazz right now because they're big centers that block shots. Right. Aiton's going to be better than just a shot blocker. Mo Bamba, we'll see. I agree. Uh, but you already have Rudy Gobert, and you've already invested him for seventy-five million dollars over the next three seasons. You still probably draft those guys if they're the best player on the board. You probably draft. Yeah, to me, Aiden I think you more draft than Bamba. More than Bamba. Bamba, if you end up like he's the last guy in your tier that you like, I think that's when you make a move up or down to get an asset or give up an asset, so you're getting a better fit for your roster. Given that you do have Rudy Gobert in the next four years, but Trey Young, Colin Sexton. Now Trey Young's yeah. going to be a top three or four pick because people think he's Steph. Uh, Colin Sexton, who is a big guard who can play alongside Donovan Mitchell, has some questions shooting the ball, but really competitive, you know, has that fire that you really like, absolutely, go draft him. If he's sitting on the board there for the Jazz and he's the best player available. Would you pass on Jaron Jackson? He's a stretch four. Probably not. You probably don't pass on that guy if he's sitting at the board for you. So I think there's a lot of pieces that fit for the Jazz in this draft, uh, and I think they'll find themselves in a good spot. And I think the Jazz are going to try and position themselves well for this draft. Yeah, I I mean, so to me, I I completely agree with you, and I think you're you're more likely... You know, I think a lot of the names you've named are one through seven, one through eight guys. Um, to me, you know, again, I don't know that the Jazz are going to fall that far. Maybe they end up doing so, but I'm looking at like eight through fourteen, and then I'm looking. You know, do would I rather have Michael Bridges or Miles Bridges amongst right. 
Bridges. Right. You know, I, maybe My- Michael Bridges is the better fit. On the other hand, you like that Miles Bridges can handle the ball a little bit. Right. Um, and, and you're right. It's really uh, it's, early. I honestly have not gotten into that level of, of kind of draft breakdown at this point. Yet. I don't know that I would go with like Kevin Knox. Um, cause he's, you know, more of a slasher type. Okay. But yeah, it's, it, I agreed that it's, it's kind of early. This is honestly the time of year though when teams are looking at that part of the draft and being like, all right, who's available? So if we are trading this draft pick, what are we giving up? Right. You know, what kind of, right. what caliber of player are we losing in that kind of deal hypothetically? And, and how valuable is it right now to trade a player away that could be a long-term piece, say a Rodney Hood, to drop from the 12th pick in the draft to the 8th pick in the draft? Or the 12th pick in the draft to the 6th pick in the draft. Is there a huge enough difference there that it's worth moving on from a guy like Rodney Hood? And that's a conversation that has to be had for some teams. Yeah. Good question, though, Ryan. Because this is, you know, that's that's absolutely the kind of thing that the Jazz front office is thinking about right now. Uh, but for the most part, outside of those two names we kind of mentioned, I think this is a good draft for the Jazz. Because there's not a lot of repetitive players. And because the Jazz are so bare, outside of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And Go- Gobert's the only guy who's hard to pair anybody with. Yeah, and the nice thing, what I mean, is hard to pair with is you just can't go get another Derek Favors. You can't go get yeah. another low post score. Right, but he can fit with pretty much anyone else, and Donovan Mitchell can fit with anybody else you want to put in the backcourt. Right, so you you do need a a kind of a special kind of power forward, or do not play with the power forward at all. Right, like you could you could have Joe Ingles be your four or whatever that ends up looking like a that kind of player anyway. Um, I I don't know that you could have you can't have a Derek Favors type, and I don't think you could have like a Mo Bamba type and be excited about. That as your your back your you know your center tandem moving forward right. just because it's it's not impactful enough right um, even though I like Mo Bamba a lot for sure next question next question uh, we got one from Adam Mason asking as poor as as the Jazz are playing am I crazy to think that this season is already a success learning what Donovan is capable of and now the Jazz know they have two great building blocks I see what Adam's saying here because Donovan has so far surpassed any of our expectations yeah. uh, that in the end you're going to be looking at the season as the first year of Donovan Mitchell and not maybe so much the year of disappointing performances from Ricky Rubio, I guess. You know, I guess you may look at it as an experiment, but really Donovan Mitchell is a caliber of player that this is like all about him at this point. In that sense, yes, I agree. You could always be way better than you are. Yeah. And the Jazz could be way better than they are right now. And, and and I think you have to you have to say that a lot of the experiments have been failures. Whether that be Ricky Rubio at point guard, whether that be Derek Favors next to Rudy Gobert, um, you know, uh, maybe with Dante Exum you have an incomplete grade, but that doesn't give you any more information in terms of being able to keep him. Rodney Hood being a number one scorer, you know, I think we've probably learned that that's not a a thing. It's not you know? feasible. It's, yeah. And he's not a number two scorer either, right? right. Like he is. That's we we've learned what it is and and it's not a successful. He's not even thing. a third piece in a big three. If right. you th- still think that's a thing, he's not that guy either. Right. So you've there's a lot of data you learned, which is yeah. good. You have to do that. But I would say in terms of the questions answered, more of them have been no than yeses. If the, right. And I agree. There's with just you there. one really really big yes yeah. that actually does really increase the long term potential of this Jazz team that did lack a, a, a offensive superstar. Correct. Uh, next question. Huge nerd <laughs> at Adam Jack. Okay. Ask what do you think about Mario Hazonia as a second draft guy? We could get him for almost nothing, and I bet Coach Q could bring out the best in him. I don't. I don't like Mario Hazonia. Uh, uh, he's never shown anything in the NBA. 
Yeah, he's actually he's had a good like last week or so, I want to say. But honestly, yeah, I, I mean, he's averaging six point eight points a game, um, and you know, had nine points tonight. Fourteen, sixteen, fourteen, and thirteen were his point okay. totals for the games before that. On the other hand, he's playing on a terrible Orlando Magic team that has lost their last seven games, and uh, it looks like eight seventeen of their last eighteen games. So. He, while he's playing a big role, it hasn't been uh, he's he hasn't been a plus very frequently. Let's put it that. And way. I don't want to say it's impossible for these guys to, to for people to come in and, and kind of have a rebirth somewhere else or have sure. success somewhere else. It, it happens, but yeah, if you can get him for nothing, maybe yeah, you know, if you can get him for absolutely nothing, sure, my, go out and get him. Yeah, my sense exactly. You know, why not put him on the roster? My sense is that he's probably not a good enough shooter to be a realistic like actual good rotation player for the next good jet. And his career averages are 41% from the floor and 32% from the three-point line, so he's never shown that he's a good enough shooter. Right. And then the defense, uh, you know, also is not there. Right. Uh the the magic are worse when he's on the court by a pretty significant. So is, you know, is he more interesting than than Eric McCree? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> he he is. But that's not saying a lot. Is he more interesting than Royce O'Neal? He might not be. So understand that. I get that yeah. a guy was drafted at this point, but he may not be able to do the things that Royce O'Neal can do, which Royce O'Neal can rebound and can pass the ball and can run the floor and some, seems to have decent hands. You know, there are some things that, that Royce O'Neal can actually do that are going to make him an NBA player for a long time that Mario Hazonia simply might not be able to do. Agreed. And remember, Hazonia was drafted purely on the potential that those things would develop. Would develop. Right. And if they never develop, then he's not an NBA player. And There's not some hidden skill there. It's that he never became that guy. And that's you know that's a draft, right? Like you're you're betting right. on guys and whether or not you can develop them and to see if they get to their talent but level. But it's the exact opposite of Royce O'Neal, where the Jazz saw him in Europe or saw him at Baylor and said, "We know he can do these things. So let's bring him in to do those things." And he just keeps doing them. So yeah. he's the opposite of Mario Hazonia in that sense. Uh. King Sai asks, do you think there is any chance Quinn makes a change to the starting lineup? That's a good question. Because um, he has been very reluctant to do so. And I wonder how much of that is kind of the aforementioned, like, we got to learn stuff about Ricky Rubio. Uh, he, you know, honestly, he didn't have another option at the backup point guard because how will Neto was out. Maybe that's changed. Now that Tabo Cephalosha is out, who I think is what who a lot of fans would want in that starting lineup. Uh you know, do you, do you just keep starting Jonas? I, I, don't, I honestly don't know. I think it, you know the starting lineup is pretty clearly when broken. When do you think Rudy comes back? In Next a week. week? I yeah. on, Saturday, okay. from what I understand, is the most likely day. So you're you're going to change anyways there. Right. There's no reason to bench Derek Favors right now because you're trying to trade him. Right. There's no reason to bench Ricky Rubio right now because you're trying to trade him. Are you trying to win games? Yeah, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Like, if you're losing games, good. This is how you tank. I, I, don't, I, I know a right. lot. Let me say this. A lot of people, and I see this on Twitter or Facebook so much and, like, basketball groups and stuff like this. The Jazz won't ever tank. The Jazz, you can, Go to Ru, Rudy Gobert and tell him you're trying to tank games. Guys, you don't tank games by saying, hey, Rudy, I want you to miss these free throws tonight, bud. You yeah. don't say that. You just say, this lineup doesn't work? Well, yeah, we're just Let's not going to make the change out of it. Yeah. We're just not going to change the starting lineup that doesn't work. That's how you tank games. Like it's not as obvious, I think, as a lot of people think tanking is some coach going out and saying, "Rig it, let right. you know, make sure you throw this pass out of bounds with eight seconds left." No, it's subtle. It's easier to do than people think, and it's less egregious than most people think it is. You tank games by continuing to play Ricky Rubio twenty five minutes a night because you're trying to trade him, and also because you're trying to lose that game so you can improve your draft stock. Yeah, and uh, honestly, you know, the Jazz did it four years ago, right? To get Dante Exum. Yes. Right. That that was very much. 
they kept Ty Corbin aboard not because he was going to help them win games right. in his fourth season. Everyone knew Ty Corbin was not a great coach at that right. point. And a dead man walking. Right. Was a lame duck. It was all about that he could he was going to continue to be on the team and and they right. didn't want to start the next coach with kind of the the crappy young roster that they had. Now the Kings are tanking and the Kings have now come out and said, "Hey, we're going to sit our veterans, at least two of our veterans every night." We're we're yeah. not going to be playing George Hill or Zach Randolph at least every night. Two of our our veterans that know how to win games aren't going to be playing. But honestly, who does that sound like? The Jazz, right? Right? Like right. how they're rotating Tavo Seflosha and Jonas Jerebko. And that's a story that has really gone kind of under the radar. Where Quinn Snyder is smart about saying, "Oh, it's just about matchups," but it's like, so you're not going to play Tavo Seflosha against the Miami Heat in a two point game, right? You know what I mean? Like I, I get at the fourth quarter, you're not going to put a guy in for the first time, most likely unless there's an injury. But not playing guys who can help you win games at times is a weird thing to do unless you're trying to lose games. And, and like the the other option there is that like Quinn Snyder is a dumb coach, and he's just he's he's, he's not, not no. Right? Like and Dennis Lindsay's not a dumb general manager, right? And, and these are conversations that are being had in the front office. So for example, that the end of the Miami game, right, where you know you have you're up by one. You need your best defensive lineup out there to score. Derek Favors can't move or to defend. Sorry. Right. Derek Favors can't move. To the point where he doesn't play the next game. Right. There's no chance that you ha- think Derek Favors is your best defensive option there when you have, one of the, honestly, one of the best defensive centers in the league in Akpe Udo right. on your bench who had been right. playing well. You know, that's just... The, Quinn Snyder is smart enough to make the right call there, but he, he can't do it because, A, Derek Favors is going to get upset or maybe more upset than he already is uh, if he doesn't play there, and B, because... Winning isn't that critical, you know. It's it's right. all about giving those guys those chances to win right. that game, uh, to, or you know, Donovan Mitchell the experience of running around the the curl and, and right. messing it up. Does does Quinn Snyder yell at Rodney Hood for taking that isolation three after that game? No, no. You just give him that opportunity. Now, Quinn Snyder does yell at Rodney Hood last night when he doesn't finish his cut in the offense. Correct, right? correct. But that's maybe because it's hurting everyone else in the offense. Right. Not necessarily because of what you know. But you don't bench Rodney Hood makes or misses a shot. for taking a shot that he shouldn't have taken in that situation. Because you're right. It's about making that sh- It's about taking that shot. It's about kind of learning that the hard way and understanding that winning that game is not crucial. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Whitesides asks if Rudy loses his mobility from all of his injuries, is he really a building block? No. Like if he's if yeah. Ricky Rubio, uh, sorry, if Rudy Gobert turns out to be a worse player, then no, he's not a, a building block. But, but also understand. I don't think that's likely. That level of Rudy being a building block to where he actively is right now, there's a lot of room there. Yeah. Rudy would have to really drop off to not be a building block piece. Right. He would have to get significantly worse. Now, can knee injuries do that? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We've seen that happen a lot. Once you can't play, you can't play. Once you can't move, you can't play. I think he's a long ways from being that guy, especially because I'm not anticipating the Jazz, as long as they have Rudy Gobert, to up their pace to being the fifth fastest team in the league. Yeah. Now, they may play faster. But they're not going to be the fifth fastest team in the league. Right. And honestly, they won't be able to because their defensive possessions will last long enough that, you know, with the other teams getting 24 second shot clock violations because they can't shoot because Rudy Gobert's on the floor. Right. Then you can't play fast. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. And honestly, from what I've seen in just actually Rudy coming back from this latest knee injury where he's running around the court, he is running quickly, um, he's playing well, like I, I, in practice anyway, um, I, I think. You know that's that's just not that realistic of a scenario. But good question. Yeah, uh, but even something look, to worry for. Derek Favors is significantly about. less athletic than he was when he entered the NBA. Yeah. Significantly less, and he's still a good player yeah. and can still make a difference. And is still, uh, a, a, you could consider him a building block on a different team that didn't have Rudy Gobert, probably. Yeah, absolutely. The way it was put to me, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again: Rudy Gobert is a top three center in the league. 
Derek Favors is a top 15 to 20 center in the league. Right. But he's not, you know, he's not a top 15 power forward next to Rudy Gobert. It right. just doesn't work. Good question. That's a shame. Yeah. Tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson, if you want to get in on the conversation, at Ben's Hoops, or you can call us 877-353-0700. This is the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. More questions. Uh, Tony Parker, probably not that Tony Parker, but another one. What do you Maybe. think is the cause? He's got a jazz logo. That would be weird for San Antonio Spurs. A fan of Rudy Gobert. Tony Parker. <laughs> Countryman. What do you think is the cause of the increase in fights and ejections this season? Interesting. That's a good question. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of the context for that, obviously, last night um, there was the Rockets-Clippers kerfuffle, I'll say it. Right. Uh, Your word. But then Kyle Lowry and Ben Simmons also got kicked out of their games. Yep, they did. Uh, DeMar DeRozan Westbrook got kicked out of his That game. same game, DeMar DeRozan almost got into a fight with uh, Goran Dragic. Yeah. Now, today, Aaron Oflalo takes a full-on swing. Tried to kill... Uh, Bielitsa. Yeah, Nemanja Bielitsa. And Bielitsa puts him in a headlock. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is maybe the most violent and or, I guess, technical and ejection-laden stretch of games I can remember. Since the Bad Boy Pistons. Right. Not, it, not the it, Bad Boy Pistons of 89. I mean the Bad Boy Pistons of the Malice in the Palace versus, you know, okay. the JL Blazers or that Indiana Pacers team that had some characters. Yeah. I'll say characters. Uh, Yeah, since that era when the NBA tried to eliminate that stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, first of all, can I say something? Yes, I like it. Yeah, I do too. It's I really like fun. it. I mean, I don't want to see Clippers stuff is great. Namanha Bielitsa end up on Sports Center or what's his name? Uh, Aaron Ofalo? No, uh, Bielitsa. What's Bielitsa's first name? Uh, Namanja. Okay, yeah, there we I go. think you're right. Uh, I don't want to see him as the opening story on Sports Center because his face is shattered. Right. You know, I don't want to <laughs> see him getting dragged off the court in a stretcher. Uh, I don't want Although Bobby. that happened to Nikola Mirotic right. just behind the scenes. And it was kind of funny. <laughs> and no offense to Nikola Mirotic. I'm sure that was horrible for him. Yeah. Uh, it was a funny story for the rest of the NBA, though. So I don't mind this type of drama. Also, there's something going on right now with the players and the referees yes. that I think has boiled over towards players and players. I think I, I agree with that because when you see those frustrations between referees and players, uh, it absolutely does make you angry, right? And then when you're angry, then you have those kind of confrontations. I mean... Last night is a perfect example where the the reason why the Clippers were upset and the Rockets were upset was this missed goaltending call, right? Yep, and then right. so Mike D'Antoni steps out onto the floor a little bit. Blake Griffin sees an opportunity for him to get a technical and a cheap point from that by running into the coach. Mike D'Antoni steps back, so he's back on the court. And all of a sudden, now we have a physical confrontation that's caused by kind of the, the chain reaction from a referee call. Now... Why that is is a really good question. Um, I, I do think that there's a sense among players that they are able to... There are fewer productive conversations between referees and players than there were. Sure. Um, and I don't know if that's a, a new kind of referee coming into the league. I don't know if that's some uh, you know point, uh, point of emphasis this year. Right. I don't really see that because, you know, it's not like they're giving out technicals for that kind of arguing. It just seems like there are just fewer of those kind of conversations that are worthwhile. And some of it may come from the top down, which means the top players in the league are getting a little bit more angry at the officials, and that may trickle down to some of the lesser players. So LeBron's been more openly frustrated to the point where he's been tossed. LeBron doesn't get tossed. Okay, now the same thing happened with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis never gets tossed. Gets tossed. Yep. Earlier in the season. That starts to trickle down, and you have guys who never get tossed, say Rodney Hood, who ends up getting tossed in a game, where they start to feel like, hey, this this border 
or this barrier that exists between the players and the referees has now broken down to a point where everyone feels like they can be involved in it. I think we've lost some referees that uh, players really respected. That's you know, probably very true. Danny Crawford retired, right? Like that's right. that's a big deal. Gary Zielinski even is, hasn't ref that many games this year. Uh, you know, kind of some of the longtime refs that are not controversial. You know, like hey, at, Joey at, Crawford retiring is a big deal. Now I know yeah. Joey tossed some guys, but jo- was also respected. Sure, because he was a good coach, or he was a good he referee. A I should referee. say, yeah, yes. Um, so yeah, that might be part of it. And, and I, I'm I'm with you that I think just kind of player actions have been, uh, for whatever reason, kind of because good players have done it, have been arguing with referees for as long as they have. I think more and more players are catching on. Uh, it's it's a great question. I mean, I, I here's another random theory between players and players. Because there's more player movement in the league than ever before, because of shorter contracts, there are more beefs than ever before. Huh. Interesting. It's a theory. I don't uh, know. Can I also here's another theory, and this is my last theory, and then we're going to take a break, and we're going to get back to your okay. questions on the other side. I wonder if the dominance of the Golden State is destructive for the rest of the NBA Ooh. and might be causing frustration to spill out within organizations that has to be directed elsewhere. So LeBron getting in a fight with another Cleveland Cavalier is a bad look. LeBron getting in a fight with a referee is fine. It's easy to blow over or, or overlook. Now, the Cavs aren't going to win the, the championship this year. They're just not good enough. Uh, maybe if they had DeAndre Jordan and could get another piece, maybe. But they're not as good as the, the uh, Warriors, and it's not close. As good as the Raptors are, they're not close to the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, Boogie Cousins now joins New Orleans Pelicans. Are they, are they good? They're okay. They yeah, beat Boston tonight. But they're not close to winning two playoff series. Right. So I wonder if there's this weird hopelessness that exists right now in the NBA if you're not playing for the Warriors that might be frustrating for guys that may spill out one mm-hmm. time a year that we're overrating. Maybe. But like Aaron Aflalo taking swings at Bielitsa. Wants that ring, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just that's such a weird random yeah, one. And you know, you've got Rockets Clippers, maybe that makes sense, but then you know, you have Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry getting at it, and I, you know, it's 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 weird. Uh and maybe it's just coincidence. There's also it that chance be, that, yeah. that every once in a while it's just going to happen. You're going to have several occasions like that in the same year, and it's just coincidental. Yeah. All right. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, tweet at us. We'll take your questions during the break, and we'll get back to them on the other side. At Andy B. Larson on Twitter is the best place to tweet at us. You can also tweet at me at Ben's Hoops, or you can call and wait on the phone, 877-353-0700. More of your questions next on the Salt City Hoof Show, ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. The Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Very happy Tuesday night to everyone out there. About 30 minutes left on the show. Two more segments. You got questions you want to get in? Tweet at us at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. You can always call us 877-353-0700 as well. More uh, questions? We've got them. People got them answered. Like, I want, we have I want a show an- plan, like you said, but it's we're we're here for you guys. I would so much why not answer, answer your questions. questions? Right. That's what you want to hear. That's what you want to know. That's what we'll talk about. Yeah. Rambo Ute asks: Would the Jazz consider bringing back George Hill by trading Ricky Rubio for him? Uh, this has been my opinion. This was my opinion in December that this was a move the Jazz should explore. Sure. Uh, once these guys became available to be traded again, which was December fifteenth, that was the that was the name I looked at, and now I no longer feel that way because since December fifteenth, the Jazz have lost fifteen of nineteen games, and the Jazz don't need to win any more games this season. And George Hill will be available again this off season. 
and probably for even less than he's available for right now. Yeah, and honestly, my answer to that is even less on the Jazz side than the Sacramento Kings side. Interesting. George Hill is starting at the shooting guard position for the Kings. Yeah. Because they have De'Aaron Fox, their number one draft pick this year, is a point guard, and he's playing pretty well. And then behind that, they've got Frank Mason, Mason, who's played pretty well. Again, another rookie. And they're both rookies. And and the Kings are you know a team that needs to play their rookies right now and not George Hill. So why would you bring in Ricky Rubio? Right. They don't need Ricky Rubio at all. Now, Uh, could you get George Hill in the right deal? Sure. But I do think that the George Hill era in Utah is probably over given... All of the contract negotiations that happened last year and, it and seems how like some badly bridges that were happen. burned, and for some reason, as soon as the contract negotiations apparently broke off, George Hill was hurt every game. Maybe yeah. that was coincidence. Maybe it was not. I would say it was probably both. I would say I think some people don't think it is. I think there were some conspiracy-minded people in the Jazz locker room oh, who thought that oh, uh, there there was a tie there. Right. Between George Hill's free agency and his injury availability. Toe always hurts. Yeah. While it hurts, toe hurts. And and really, George Hill's biggest mistake was not having, like, a real agent who could set him up with an offer from, like, the Minnesota Timberwolves who needed a point guard and maybe even could have used, or or the San Antonio Spurs, you know, a team that that needed a point guard that clearly would use his services well. Uh, and he, he didn't have anything lined up, and so he kind of thought that this market would just happen for him, and it, it never really did. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I have less interest in George Hill now than I did a month and a half ago. Agreed. Well, and you know he's also been bad since. Then, he's also so. been bad. Yeah, that's that's the other thing is it, it's just very possible that George Hill is done, right? Like that's this sure. happens to guards when he's not Joe Johnson done, but he's no. getting to that point, right? And, and just doesn't have that kind of role in the offense. I mean, and it, it's. He's absolutely a better fit than Ricky Rubio, but you can't trade. Like I say, you can't trade Rubio for Hill anyway. Uh, but good question, Rambo. Yeah, it's it's honestly like a good idea that almost works, but doesn't because right. Sacramento. And it was good. a thought I had a little while ago, and it was was definitely pro that. And so actually, I'm not trying to say I had it first or like that that's not a big deal. It's just, it was some hypothetical that never worked out. But right. it's a, it's a, I think it's a smart line of thinking. Ryan Dangerfield has a similar question. Why did the Jazz trade for a point guard, Ricky Rubio, who didn't fit their style of play? The Jazz don't need a pure point guard. They needed a point guard who can shoot and pass similar to Hill. Was it based on what was available, or were they intrigued by being able to fix him? The answer is both. They were Ricky Rubio was very available. They were intrigued by being able to fix him, and they wanted a point guard while they were negotiating with Gordon Hayward. And apparently was a guy that Gordon Hayward had said he was interested in playing alongside. Yes. Now, I don't know. Yeah, I, That, to me, is kind of weird, because if Gordon Hayward had said that, that doesn't sound to me, honestly, like something Gordon Hayward would would have said. You don't think so? Because Gordon Hayward was so noncommittal during the whole process. Oh, but what if this was when the Jazz were also looking at acquiring George Hill the first time, which was a year and a half earlier? Okay, maybe. But then that's still, that's a that's a weird thing to bank it on, right? Sure. If, if it's something that you talked to Gordon a year and a half ago about Ricky Rubio, and now you're acquiring him a year and a half later, and hope that that that's good, I you know, I, I don't know. I don't. Jazz are pretty desperate to bring Gordon Hayward back. Yes. So <laughs> you probably uh, reach for some straws. You grasp at whatever Maybe. you can. And if Rodney, or if that guy's available, and that's the guy he'd mentioned, uh, and, and you know what, the downside of Ricky Rubio was relatively low, and still is relatively low. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with the Jazz going out and getting Ricky Rubio, other than he sucks? <laughs> you know, like, I, yeah. I'm not trying to be mean about that, but Dennis Lindsay's not dumb. Dennis Lindsay understood there was a contingency plan where, mm-hmm. hey, we suck this year. And there's a contingency plan where, actually, Ricky Rubio's not Jason Kidd. 
like he said he might be before the season. And Dennis Lindsay knows that's possible. Why not say Jason Kidd, and then if he sucks, he sucks, and you go out and get a top 10 draft pick? Sure. Right. And What's the harm in that? You lost a superstar, and you go out and get a top 10 draft pick? That's what you're supposed to do. Right. That's a good point. And you have Donovan. I, I think and Donovan's then you also got so Donovan Mitchell. Because he might be your point guard answer, right? Like, right. certainly the Jazz think he is at the end of games. So why not do that? And you know, you didn't know that you were having Donovan Mitchell. I wonder how much of Quinn Snyder's system would be different if he knew Donovan Mitchell was what he is. Because you can't change your system mid-season like that. And understand there's some hyperbole there with, with yeah, Ricky right. Rubio. Ricky Rubio playing in this system is a very bad fit right now. Yeah. Uh, and is a worse fit than I think even the Jazz imagined he would be. Oh, absolutely. But uh, th- I don't think that was necessarily the worst thing that's ever happened to the Jazz. Jazz losing games is just not bad for them right now. Because it just does not matter. Jazz not Jazz missing the playoffs this year does not dictate what happens to them next season. I agree. So, it, so what's the harm? You look at the quality of free agents that's out there, and it's not like a, a, even if you were a good playoff team that you think you can go out and recruit. Right. It's the Jazz are Portland this year. A they're not franchise changing. Paul free George agent, isn't signing no with the Jazz this year. Right. right. If they're the fifth seed in the West at the end of the season, Paul George doesn't say, "Well, I bet I can bump them up to the third seed." <laughs> right. No. Like he wants to go live in Los Angeles, or he wants to go play with LeBron. Yeah. Or stay with OKC, you know, and, and right. play with Russell Westbrook, and it's a different right. thing. Right. Uh, Tweet at us at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops. Uh, here's a here's a question from Ryan Dangerfield regarding the Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Is it possible that Ben Simmons wins Rookie of the Year not because he's the best player, but instead because he played more minutes per game than Donovan and Larry Markinen? As we saw last night, Donovan could have played more minutes, but because the game got out of hand, he didn't play. You know, last season is one of the first times this year where Donovan Mitchell wasn't last at the end of the game. Last night. What did I say? Last season. Sorry, yeah. Last night was one of the first games this year where Donovan wasn't in the end of the wasn't in the game at the end of the game because it was a blowout. I think a lot of times he has been in the end of the game because the Jazz wanted to get him that experience. And now there's kind of this idea that, well, he's tired and maybe you want to go the other way because he's using so many possessions. I think he is tired. I think that's why we've seen an enormous increase in three-pointers attempted. Hmm. Like three more per game in the month of January than we're already. He's almost at 10 attempts per game in the month of January, which is an insanely high amount, especially for a guy who's regularly going two of eight. That's a good point. Right now. I think he's tired. So I think he's settling for some jump shots. I also think he's being forced to take some jump shots because teams are trapping him off the, you know, or no doing whatever it takes to stop him from getting into the paint, which is absolutely his most useful sc- scoring skill right now. And because the rest of the Jazz Wings are playing miserably right now. <laughs> yeah. So he ha- they, he has to shoot. I mean, even a bad Donovan Mitchell three or a late clock three, which he's getting stuck with, I think, Fun. it's probably a, uh, more more often than not, uh, is happening, and that's why some of his shots are up. But it's also a better shot than what Joe Ingles is doing right now, which who knows what Joe Ingles is doing right now. Yeah. Not playing well. No, he's that's not what playing I, well. that's what I was alluding to. He's not playing well. <laughs> we I'm know sure what he's, he's doing just right like, now. Yeah, he's a good family man and like yeah, playing in the NBA. Twins, really nice guy. He he's was zero for one with zero points last night. He's not know, playing like, great basketball right now. Yeah. Anyways, zero points. I think it was zero points, one assist, zero rebounds. Like it's just yeah. That's that's very close to a trillion. Yep. Which is a trillion is the the minutes played and no stats. Yes. Which is rare, rare, very rare. And then my favorite is the Shabazz. What's the Shabazz? Oh, the Shabazz is is the only points, no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks, okay. which is the named after Shabazz Muhammad. That's great. Who his rookie season did it like <laughs> fifteen times. He only had points and never did anything else. Uh, that that's like a good question. Is stats named after players? Like you've got the the Kobe rebounds, okay? Uh, the Kobe assists, Kobe sorry, assists, yeah, which is uh rebounds given to players that they then score off of, right? Uh. 
Can you think of any other player stat names? Uh, I mean, there are guys There's who like are... There's like the Mendoza line in baseball, sure. right? There are guys who are synonymous with stats. Sure. Like the quadruple double, the only guy who really ever did that was uh, was Hakeem. Right. Uh, and then I think David Robinson did it one time. I could be wrong. Uh, and then the 5x5 five five for a while was popular. Uh, and Karolinka was the only guy who did it since Hakeem was able to do it. Yeah. You know, triple doubles are probably synonymous right now with uh, Russell Westbrook. Absolutely. And were for so long synonymous synonymous with Oscar. But otherwise, no. Uh, yeah. yeah, and nowhere near as fun as the Shabazz. That's <laughs> the an Shabazz amazing stat. I like that a lot. Oh, and there's the, you uh, know what? There is the Jason Kidd quadruple-double, which is the triple-double with 10 turnovers. Okay. That's actually a thing I've heard people talk about as well. The Jason Kidd triple-double. Right, or quadruple-double, because you or get quad the quadruple-double double okay. with, uh, with turnovers, okay. which doesn't count. Russell Westbrook. And Russ also did it. Frequent yep. doer of the, the Jason Kidd triple-double, or quadruple-double, if you will. Last year. Yeah, not as many triple-doubles this year. You want to take one more question? Uh, do we have one more? Do we have one more question? Uh, we've got uh, actually this statement from Amar at the beginning of the show. I thought was interesting. We were talking about the players booing, right? Uh, or the the fans, fans booing, booing players. Rodney Hood. Players rarely boo. Uh, <laughs> so I pointed out actually gave us some historical context. Carl Malone was booed in the playoffs, and even Larry Miller wanted him benched against the Nuggets in 1994. Mm-hmm. Expressing unfiltered emotions is a fanatic thing to do. Even the Romans booed the Lions sometimes when they ate the captured Ro- warriors from other armies that went to war against Rome. Hmm. In other words, people are crazy. It's sports. Right. That's, you know, honestly, that's fair. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, people should get to do what they want. You know, booing and cheering, it's, that's why we're here. Right. Uh, does Rodney Hood deserve it? Did Carl Malone deserve it then? I think it's fair to say no. <laughs> and this jazz fan base is good enough. That a player is not going to take one night of booing and wash his hands with this organization and say, well, that's it. That was it for me. Yeah. Some really sensitive guys might. And I only know one guy who's been that sensitive since I've been covering the Jazz, and that was Gordon Hayward, and he did leave. I mean, and even then, I don't think he was probably that sensitive. But he was seemed more sensitive than a lot of guys hmm. are. I don't think I don't think he's among like the top five sensitive guys that I've oh, really? covered. Yeah. Oh, interesting. In terms of how fans react to him. Yeah. I, I mean, like, first of all, I think Gordon was treated... Really, pretty well by the fans, oh, right? I mean, insanely we put well. up billboards overly well. Yeah, yes. But uh, in terms of guys who respond differently to the like fan social media comments, especially okay, I think yeah, is where yeah, people yes, are getting absolutely. it more. I think Gordon was thirstier for some of those things than a lot mm-hmm. of guys are, okay. and may have reacted more poorly to being booed than some of those guys did in, in a vindictive matter. Maybe I'm just putting too much under Gordon Hayward's umbrella because he did leave the Jazz, and so I'm trying to read into any little thing and say that was the issue, which is probably a me problem. <laughs> it's not a you problem. Probably not a Gordon, Gordon Hayward, Hayward left. It sucks, All right. but yeah. If you have last questions you want to get in, tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops. You can also call us one more segment, 877-353-0700 of the Salt City Hoop Show. Coming up next, ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. You can get anything you want. You know what I'm saying? Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson and Ben Anderson on one of the more fun radio shows I've ever done in my life. Uh, oh, wow. I love the interaction today. Uh, first of all, it's just, I, I like where the NBA is right now. I actually love where the Utah Jazz are right now. Uh, even though I understand fans not, I like, I like when teams have to solve problems. And the Jazz right now very much have to solve <laughs> yeah, so many problems. problems. Yeah. It gives you a lot to talk about. It gives you a lot to think about. It allows you to play the hypothetical game, which you should as a fan. Like, be hypothetical. It's fun. Yeah. But I really do think, like, if you ask a lot of NBA teams to switch places with the Jazz, given that you have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, 
There are a lot of teams that say yes. That's the nice thing. The Jazz don't have a fatal flaw. The Jazz are bad, but they're not fatally bad because you've got two pieces that absolutely work in Rudy Gobert and uh, and Donovan Mitchell, and you've got enough interesting other young pieces or or pieces that are signed that you can play around with and move your move your spots around. You're not locked into horrible contracts for the rest of the of the NBA or the rest of of these guys' contracts. You yeah. can move them. Uh, we had a question come in, Andy. Uh, that kind of led, led into what we wanted to talk about. Yeah, from Josh asking, or it's, I guess saying, the Jazz are five games out of the eighth spot and five games ahead of the worst record in the league and more ping-pong balls. What to do? Okay, let's say the Jazz could flip a switch five games one way or the other. Which would be the best thing to do? Absolutely lose. The be loss. the worst team in the NBA. Can you do that? I That's don't think there's really any hard. shot. I don't think so. Either. There's no chance to get there. Uh, I also don't know. I would also say this. I don't think there's any chance the Jazz get to the eight seed. It would really be difficult for the Jazz to get up to the eight seed. Now, there's only two teams that separate themselves from the eight seed. Jazz are in the tenth spot. They'd have to jump the number nine team, which it's Portland, right? Portland. Now, they're tied with Denver and the Clippers. All of them are at twenty-two and twenty-one. Uh, so okay, so they're a game above five hundred. I don't see the Jazz getting there, especially because those teams should start winning games towards the end of the season. Because the bad teams in the NBA really focus on losing games at the end of the year. Yeah. Now, that also means it's harder for the Jazz to make up some of those five games that they are ahead of the Atlanta Hawks and the Orlando Magic, which are the worst teams in the NBA. But also this. If the draft was today, the Jazz would have the number 10 pick in the NBA draft. Mm -hmm. Okay, that means there's 10 teams separated by a total of five games with 39 games left in the season. You can make up games and jump spots. Even if you don't jump up to the number one spot, you can get up to six or five by rigging your team. Pretty, not easily, but pretty un inconspicuously, yeah. I should say. The Jazz could climb four or five spots if they wanted to. I agree with that. Um, it, it's going to be hard because I, I do think that the Jazz have more talent than teams one through nine. You know, it's just when Rudy Gobert comes back, and like I say, I think it will happen this weekend, Saturday, maybe Monday, you know, but we're, we're talking about really soon, then you you should be able to put together a, a decent defense that just by the talent that you have. But on the other hand, I don't know that, like, I don't think they're going to finish behind uh, New York, Philadelphia, or Portland. You know, honestly, the worst pick they could get right now seems like 11, 12. Right. You know, like like you say, it's just really unlikely that they get this five-game swing to get into the playoffs. It's, right. And given that you have to jump both Portland and Denver or Portland right. and the Clippers, you know. So it's, I, I I'm with you. I don't know what tanking this season looks like in terms of what kind of moves you make. Maybe it's... Okay, hardcore tanking this year is you're going to get rid of Favors, he's gone. You're yeah. going to get rid of Alec Burks, he's gone, but he's not playing anyway. So th- those don't matter. Trading Rodney Hood would be a real sign. Or trading, actually, Ekbe Udo might be a real sign that the Jazz are trying to lose games. Okay. Uh, then you have to ask yourself, at what point are you getting rid of a player that's too hard to replace, and is that worth losing those games for? Is uh, it worth dropping from the ninth pick to the seventh pick to lose Rodney Hood? Because Rodney Hood is not available all the time. And the Jazz actually don't have a guy like Rodney Hood available all the time to just come and sign with them at any point. And the Jazz do have that option this year because whatever anyone offers him, the Jazz can match. Right. So that those are real questions you have to ask and are not just no doubt, hey, it's better to have a seventh pick than a ninth pick. Right. And honestly, I think that has more to do with what you think of Rodney Hood as a player than whether you want the seventh pick or the ninth pick. You know what I mean? Like sure. That's that's the bigger decision sure. there is what you think Rodney Hood can be if you think he can develop and what his market will be. Whether you're paying him $13 million or $20 million is a big, big difference. Now, if it's the difference between the 10th pick and the 5th pick, and you think at the 5th pick you're going to get who Michael Porter 
from Missouri, even though he's not going to play this year, and you think, you know, those Kevin Durant comparisons are a little crazy, but they're not impossible, mm, might lose Rodney Hood and the $17 million <laughs> sure. you have to pay in this offseason. Sure. But if I don't the know Jazz, that... If the Jazz feel like they can gain those five spots. I'll maybe honest, they do. I don't think Rodney Hood is a five-game, five-win player over a half of a season. You know, honestly, the difference between... Trading Rodney Hood and not is like two to three wins in my book. But not. again, you've got ten teams right now separated by five total That's games. Crazy. This is the closest lottery standings, if you will, I've ever seen. So there's going to be some teams at the bottom aggressively tanking to make sure that they have one of those top three or four picks because there's different makers here. And then it'll be interesting to see what teams five through ten do. Agreed. What does Memphis do, for example, a, a team with Conley and, and Gasol? Right, and Conley's going to be coming back uh, and should be getting healthy. What does Chicago do with Zach Levine? You know, right. and coming back, and and they trade Nico, sure, but then they've still got you know kind of feisty young bigs. And Chicago can't help but get better before the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I mean do getting, the Lakers get a lot better? They will get better. They're they're gonna. I think they should. I know they were playing really bad for a while, but they've won four in a row right now, yeah. uh, at least until last night. But I don't. Did they play last night? I don't know. I know they had won four in a row the last time I checked on the Lakers, which is not every night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, some of those teams should get better. Yeah, this it's, was a great a show. Keep tweeting. Thanks at everyone at Andy B. Lars, Snap Ends Hoops. Big thanks to J.P. Chunga producing the show today. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk.